0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Cannabis Today podcast. I'm Steve Blank. Cannabis Today delivers cannabis industry, community, culture, and news media. To explore our broad spectrum programming and extract only the content you want, visit Canada todaycom and click the search icon to navigate your way through topics like cultivation, law and policy, CBD, startups, health and wellness, terpenes, investment, extraction, events, and so much more. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Cannabis Today podcast on your favorite streaming platforms and join the conversation by connecting with us On social media. On this edition of the podcast, Catherine Sidman hosts Carlton Bone live from the show floor of Concentration 2019 in Palo, California. Carlton is the founder of the Upward Cannabis Kitchen. Through the development of a tea based cannabis beverage line, Carlton has been able to explore ancillary endocannabinoid modulators and the wide world of botanicals. Without further ado, Catherine Sidman and Carlton Bone live from the show floor of Concentration 2019 in Palo, California.
1: All right. I am super excited. Here we are. Concentration 2019. We're on the showroom floor with the Cannabis Today podcast. I'm Catherine Sidman and I am joined right now in the hot seat by Carlton Bone. Carlton uh, Carlton and I started talking about what we were going to talk about and it got so exciting we forgot that we're supposed to record something. So we're just going (laughs) to rewind
2: all of that. Absolutely.
1: Carlton, introduce yourself to the Cannabis Today listeners.
2: Thank you. Uh, My name is Carlton Bone. I come to the cannabis world uh, in 2016. The, uh, you know, edible production out in Portland, Oregon, uh, the wild road that is this industry has taken me a lot of places. But today I'm doing a lot of uh, novel product formulations, specifically uh, finished consumer goods, everything from suppositories to new drinks, as well as business wow, development. So
1: from one end to the other. Uh, literally, literally exactly. All, <laughs> okay, but I'm fascinated. By, so I, um, in my background, um, I worked in hospice care for okay. about a decade. Yeah. Um, and while I was raising my family I would do home care at night my husband worked during the day that was sort of our, our gig for a while and um, suppositories are key are a key therapeutic device for medication delivery and everybody you know makes a dumb joke or laughs about it but especially oh, yeah. for cannabis how huge is that tell me more about it
2: yeah uh, You know, stop me is what I want to say before I get going. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm really fortunate to work with my mom. Uh, She's a cannabis physician in West Palm Beach, Florida, and a 30-year board-certified OBGYN. Wow. So when it comes to understanding, you know, what we use depositories for traditionally, uh, I'll let folks know it's been... Hormone replacement therapy, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that our bodies produce hormones in different parts mm-hmm. is an important part of treating people whose bodies don't produce hormones anymore. Well,
1: and suppository. I mean, just so oh so, a, so a suppository is a bioavailable little bullet that you mm-hmm. would insert rectally. Your colon is extremely... Um, or vaginally. Absorbable. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So, and, and in, like, in hospice, it would be used for... I mean, suppositories are frequently used for emesis. I mean, if you're very nauseous and you can't take medicine because you're throwing up, they give you a suppository, you get the medicine, it stays in your system. Um, If uh, you're somebody who's, um, you know, in kind of a twilight um, consciousness and you can't take medication and you're maybe in a home setting where you don't have an IV, a suppository is very effective for passing medication to the patient. So, you know, for uh, so many of the things that we use cannabis for, certainly in terms of nausea and other things it makes a huge amount of sense.
2: No, I, it, Catherine, like, you, you really pointed out exactly why we wanted to figure out what is a suppository formulation for cannabis, because right. uh, Dr. Bone works with uh, the Morse Life Geriatric Facility mm-hmm. and is currently working on elder care. And aside from that, she focuses on menopausal women. Mm-hmm. And both demographics are having specific needs that don't, really fold on to the idea of the cannabis consumer as the pot smoker, the inhalant user. Uh, It really is more in line with transdermal suppositories because these are medical forms that these populations are used to, have prior exposure to. Mm -hmm. It allows us to get past that stigmatization factor because when a doctor recommends a suppository, it's really hard to fold that in with, you know, the reefer madness that a lot right, of these right, folks right, grew up with. Right. Uh, but in terms of bioeffectiveness, what we really latch on to is the fact that uh, the endocrine system and the endocannabinoid system are part and parcel of the way the body's homeostasis system works.
1: And the endocrine system is gonna be your hormones.
2: Absolutely. Right. And we, the
1: endocannabinoid system is going to be those receptors specifically for
2: cannabinoids. Exactly. It's the it's basically a subset almost of the endocrine system, but mm-hmm. the endocrine system System has uh, an axis with the brain, the pituitary gland, uh, and then the gut.
0: Mm-hmm. And what
2: we see is that the way in which your body, you know, metabolizes cannabis—if it's coming in through your lungs, if it's coming in through your skin, if it's coming through other passageways—will dictate how you actually end up experiencing. That product. Mm-hmm. So we look at vulva vaginal dryness and sexual wellness in particular mm-hmm. uh, because we th- feel that this is an underexplored area with cannabis, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of anecdotal arguments as to the a- efficacy of cannabis as an aphrodisiac and right uh, okay
1: but but yeah I, so recently i was on instagram and someone uh posted about you know T- thc infused lube yeah and they're like Sh- shut up take it put it inside your cheek is your cheek high? Does your cheek feel any different like what's what's going on that you know is this really a thing? Well, it, and so, it's and, it's, and I'm, I'm asking you this. I have no idea if that's a, a product that you make. No, and it, I'm, it's, I'm not it's trying to put a you on product. The
2: spot. I I have a lot of. Uh, market experience with. And I'll clarify okay. it there. It's okay. in the market. But you
1: you don't have a vulva or a vagina, so I don't know how much experience you really
2: have with it. Oh, ex- I, exactly. <laughs> I had it. My experience I'm assuming is, that was a lot of assumptions no, no, it, I based on it. your facial hair. I, I, so I, I am non-binary. And like, that's something that makes me really akin to gender as a social phenomenon. But as someone without a vulva or vagina, it means it's harder to take these sorts of treatments for myself. Right. But all that being said, <laughs> <laughs> what what we really have found is that uh, cannabis relaxes people. Mm-hmm. Like, sexual intimacy is sort of high stakes. I don't mm-hmm. care how else we frame it, but it is... Not just the very smooth, happy-go-lucky process, and in a culture we live in, surrounding a lot of expectations with beauty, pleasure, and desire, uh, and
1: performance,
2: absolutely, right. Being able to you know step out of those roles uh, is a really important component of being grounded, being able to engage intimately, mm-hmm. and we're still a ways out from understanding. You know, do we have you know increased moisture and uh, decreased pH content? in people who use these products. We're doing that research now, but we know based on enough anecdotal reports that people who use cannabinoids responsibly to get to that state of calm are better positioned to engage in intimacy from that position Mm -hmm. and i think it's an important recognition that cannabis is modulating your whole body it's not fixing things but maybe it's helping you you know take a little bit more agency maybe it's part of a broader nutritional plan that Mm -hmm. you're working on incorporating Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you recognize it's not just my micronutrients it's my carbohydrates and everything Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i'm definitely getting on a tangent but it, it's something that we are still studying and trying to center patient experiences uh, in that process because. A lot of folks talk about pain, and that's a narrative surrounding cannabinoids that is popular. But there's a lot of folks who also just want an improved quality of life. And cannabis offers a tremendous amount of potential sure. there.
1: Sure. Um, well, something I love, uh, Gray Wolf, J.D. Ellis from yeah. Skunk Farm, always said, um, cannabis is such good medicine, some people take it just for the side effects. No, absolutely. And see, 100%, right? 100% absolutely. 100% J.D.,
2: Go, great Wolf. No, it, it's perfect. I have IBS, and we developed our original formula, kombucha, based on the fact that you have IBS, take probiotics. You know, any nutritionist will tell you this. Add a few terpenes in there, beta mercine. It'll be good for the inflammation effects. You talk to cannabis advocates, smoke pop for your IBS. One plus one is three. We develop our kombucha. Next thing we know, I started realizing, oh, this is actually just improving my quality of life, not my symptoms. I'm having more energy less anxiety because mm-hmm, as we've mm-hmm. seen recently the gut microflora is really important to regulating anxiety and mood and things yeah, like that yeah and so a lot of our formulations and my work in the industry has been taking my experiences the experiences of those positioned around me in my community and you know we're going to just make our lives a little bit better <laughs> right, right
1: i love that that you work with your mom who's a physician she's in florida not super friendly to to the green goddess. No, God my, my, I mean, friends, my a, a friends. Two in Florida. ounce flower
2: limit that just got legalized two months ago and an edible ban that permeates the whole state. Those folks are struggling down there.
1: Yes. Road. Yeah. So so how do you how do you balance that level of restriction with any relevant research? How do you even pull that off?
2: Uh, 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 candidly, a lot of our opportunities are sort of looking at the future and looking at future markets. Um, my controversial belief one, one of many is that like until we get easier access to IRBs in the United States, the quality of our research will not last. Like, IRBs uh, Institutional review boards at okay. colleges and universities Right, right The thing that puts the rubber stamp on a study and mm-hmm. says it's been peer-reviewed
1: Oh, uh, like the one that Princeton just lost all sorts of money for because it was, uh, you know falsified exactly. and they used all their grants Yeah Exactly yeah. And so
2: in our our perspective there are tremendous levels of institutional support in places like Mexico Costa Rica and we're working with a few sources down there to introduce opportunities to do research at the university level in South America Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. right now our preclinical research is giving us direction. We know what we want to do with product formulations but we don't we're not confident with the way things are moving at the pace they're moving in the US right. so we're going to go outside
1: but well but just just like that we're begging for we're b- begging for regulation yeah. right we're begging for standards we're begging for research we're begging for the proof i mean that's what the industry really wants
2: and and that's sort of our perspective is we feel we can go to alternative markets and do a service mm-hmm. to everybody right <laughs> Uh, if you give me, like, 10 more minutes, I can do it. Is that, is that okay?
1: Yep, it'll be just like this. Is that okay if we do it in about 10? Okay, super. Thank you. Okay. Um, so. Uh,
2: no, but that research is super important. It's going to dictate the future of our industry. We feel also that building those connections with foreign partners Based on the inevitable exportation of domestic cannabis crops to those markets, allows us to establish those relationships ahead of time.
1: You know what my dream is when you talk about okay, well, one of my many cannabis (laughs) dreams. I want there are villages in Africa that don't have a reliable crop that have that need an agricultural crop that they can own, that they can monetize, that they can use. That's practical. That's sustainable, and. you know something that I work, I teach Sunday school with this mouth, so I have access to a oh, lot it. of people who do missionary work. Yeah, in Africa, and every single one of them I see, I'm like, I want to change the life of the people that you're working with with cannabis, and it's and and it I and it's gone from like like full stiff arm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, to, no, 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 you're crazy. <laughs> to what about that kind that doesn't get you high? Okay, so now we're talking to hemp. Exactly. Okay, that's, okay I'm going to play. I'm And that's play. huge progress. Can we, and can we, and can we get there? Can we get there so that we're providing people who have been underserved? We talk a lot, a lot about um, developing a quality in cannabis and, you know, California's trying it and they're doing an abysmal job and nobody seems to be leveling the playing field well. Doesn't. I mean, we can start
0: I,
2: leveling the playing field by letting people out of prison, but that's a whole different thing. I, I, but I'm so, going to, you, know, you know, clap to that because uh, in Oregon, you know, we're still waiting on expungement legislation that's long overdue. Right. Um, outside of my involvement in the industry, I'm actively involved with harm reduction groups. Uh, okay. So harm reduction is a philosophy that people are going to do what they're going to do. And it's our job as living in, you know, an educated, civilized society to give people resources and information to be risk conscious and make mm-hmm. Responsible decisions, mm-hmm. and weigh consequences against mm-hmm. each other because. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we don't believe in curtailing people's freedom. That's why, like, America is sort of the shit in a lot of ways. Uh, and at the end of the day, we need to take that philosophy into our health care, into our wellness, and into our leisure. And to
1: maybe talk about health care in t- instead of criminalization. I mean, let's talk about the decisions Absolutely. that you're making in terms of risk and benefit and health. Not just for you personally, but for but society. the public health. And to really say, you know what, this thing that you're doing, you're hurting yourself and we want to help you. That thing that you're doing you're going to hurt me and I don't like it. So you're either going to stop or I'm going to put you somewhere where you can't do that anymore. That's a different conversation. Absolutely.
2: The work I do in harm reduction is with uh, active needle and injection drug users. Mm -hmm. Uh, We work at a needle exchange where we distribute Narcan Mm -hmm. and are working with folks who have opiate dependency. And Mm -hmm. we know... CBD and cannabinoids can be an effective mm-hmm. opiate and mm-hmm. alcohol replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. A lot of our struggle is trying to, you know, build those connections with folks and create sort of an understanding that you can make the choice to continue living in cycles of dependency, but there are alternatives that maybe aren't gonna make you feel as good, but at the end of the day are gonna make feeling that way less consequential sure, and it's, sure. it's a paradigm shift that has to come around as you pointed out in the way we mm-hmm. approach wellness and health care and looking at our health as part of a broader public question and
1: ministry so you know talking to someone yesterday super involved in um, in Humboldt County to telling me all the things he's doing. Oh, we're sponsoring this children's festival and we're sponsoring this day at the beach and we're doing this and we're doing that. And I know ministries in Humboldt County that are dealing with addiction. And he's like, I will give them all the CBD they want. Heck yeah. Well, They look at CBD as, uh oh, you know, this is the gateway drug to the gateway drug, isn't it? Right, and now we're going to be going back down there. And so we have to start having. We need to. We need to be people who aren't binary, who aren't just yes/no, black/white, good/bad. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. But like, let's look at it and let's have the conversation, and let's say, how do we? Because here is this ministry, and I know that what they want to do is help these people walk out of addiction and walk in power in their lives absolutely right and and i'm not wanting to pull them back into addiction i'm wanting to say i want to support that effort with this little plant right but it it is just that
2: simple and it is that wholesome too the idea that just like our plant is growing and is going to mature with time and patience like grow too you know choose to plant seeds to mm-hmm. sprout something mm-hmm. different to be change mm-hmm. and, and
1: and be that good actor absolutely. you know when I, when I moved to the Emerald Triangle from the Portland area I said I don't understand why these regulated growers these people who are who are inviting regulation into their life, it will not make them more money. It will not make their life easier. It will not make them more profitable. It will not give them a better brand. It is nothing but punishment for the cause. God
2: bless them as they enter into regulation. No, I mean, as they try to, they're the front lines. And they're getting mowed down. Yes. we see it in Oregon with you know the inevitable moratorium coming and all these small farmers right. honestly left holding the bag right and, and it's heartbreaking well
1: and in Oregon um you know my girl my girl carla is one of the last um licensed medical producers in the state you know it's what, what they done I mean, to the it's mmj heartbreaking. program
2: beyond heartbreaking. it's it's literally targeted in the way where mm. it, it assumes the recreational market can fill a niche that it wasn't designed to fill right. when right. you have Uh, milligram caps on products that are five a serving and Mm -hmm. you have patients who are used to thousands of MGs a day Right. There's no cost comparison. No, there. There's no, no ability to translate no, and continue using your treatments. No, We're no. kicking patients to the curb, and it's And, so and patients
1: don't have guidance from doctors and pharmacists. I mean, no. you can go in and you can have a doctor sign your rec, you know what I mean, sign your recommendation so that you don't have to pay taxes, but that's the only benefit you got from that. Yeah. The only benefit you got is a slightly lower cost per milligram. Of whatever you're looking for. But no more and guidance. And no more support No more guidance. As no more support. No more testing. In fact, less testing. Less rigorous testing. Yeah. Because they're like,
2: you're a medicinal patient. You don't really need to know if this has yeah, pesticides Emily, in it. Yeah, i you're already screwed. So I guess the pesticides and the heavy metals uh, are going to be fine. But I mean,
1: actually. <laughs> awkward, right? It awkward. is. So, um... I want to know. I, I could just talk to you for a long time, Carlton. I like you. I like you. We're going to do this again. We're going to do a long form um, when we're not here at the show. We're oh, gonna and we're going to get Doctor Bone long, on here
2: too. Because if you
1: like oh, talking to me, oh my goodness, Miss, you're Doctor Dr. Bone. Exactly. Okay,
2: I'm. I got to talk to the, you. The reason why I can be here
1: Okay, <laughs> on every level, actually. Pretty much, pretty I mean, like, <laughs> I I ain't opposed to
2: recognizing Mama Bone. <laughs> no, sorry,
1: sorry. <laughs> we'll all do it. We'll all do it. I want to know, Carlton. How can people get a hold of you and be in touch with you and be part of
2: what you're doing? how can they reach out? Absolutely. So Upward Cannabis uh, is currently in a transitionary phase. We're out of manufacturing, but you can reach me through that entity. We've got a website uh, and some social media pages up, but also uh, Dr. Melanie Bone, uh, located in West Palm Beach, Florida, for those of you on the East Coast, is uh, a great avenue to connect with me. She is more intelligent and more gifted in a lot of areas, but She is easy on the eyes. I'd say easier. I mean that's where I get these genetics, right? Okay, all right, all right. Well I got it.
1: Well, thank you so much, Carlton, for coming out to Cannabis Today Podcast Concentration twenty (laughs) nineteen.